is uh, the uh, play-by-play voice there on Longhorn Baseball Telecast, on Longhorn Network at home. Uh, that is uh, Keith Moreland, who is with us now. I'm glad you were able to come in this morning. I appreciate it. You know, it, it is. Uh, I, you're more than welcome. First of all, to answer that question, it it, it it's it's it, yesterday was a hard day. Uh, it, you know, yep. and and as as you reflect, I, I think any of us that look back and you reflect uh, uh, on relationships and and people that uh, were so important in your life, uh, one of the things that you do, as as time goes away, you say, well, you know, he's in a better place, and now you, some stories start to come out, or mm-hmm. or some. Some things you remember. Oh, I remember this, mm-hmm. or you know, where yesterday was more of a day of, uh, of reflection. Of reflection. Yeah. You know, it, it I, was be, a hard day. I'd be lying to you if I said we didn't want you to come in and and not tell stories because we <laughs> definitely want you to tell stories. I mean, Ty Harrington did a great did a great job of that. Zeke did a great job with that. David Pierce told some stories about that. You know, so there, the, but there is, but uh, but beyond that. Um, there's just uh, the impact the man had on the game for the 29 years that he was head coach. And prior to that, by the way, won six state championships at South San Antonio, six 3A state titles at South San. So he did a heck of a job, which at that time was the second largest classification in the state. Yeah, and, and, and it's so unique. Uh, uh, our good friend Roger Wallace, your broadcast partner now, did a great job, or KXAN did a great job of talking about how Coach Gus got hired by Coach Rawl. Yeah. I mean, those are two of my guys that, that recruited me and I got to play for. Uh, and you, you look back, just that whole story about uh, it's hard to imagine to take uh, a program, a baseball program that's been playing since the 1880s and only having as few coaches as you've had. All of them have been legends. All of mm-hmm. them have done unbelievable things. And, and so, Coach Gus, to take over a program for a, an icon like Bib Falk, which was – an icon in this part of the and had done an outstanding job and came out of high school, had no college experience. Now, can you imagine hiring a guy out of high school right now to, to do that job? Not a chance. No. Uh, so um, that's incredible. But his four, he had great ability, not only to recognize player and had his style to play, uh, but the term that I use and I've used for the last 24 hours especially is the fact that he taught you how to win with honor and the, the dignity to lose with dignity and those kind of things. They said, we're, you're gonna go, we're going to go play hard, hard as we can, and uh, you know, it, we're, we're going to try to beat every team we line up against. We want to win every game, but we're going to do, uh, do it with style and class. And uh, that, was, that was Coach Gus. That, that's, just, uh, that's the way he did everything in life. Uh, and then to come back later, a lot of things I don't know is his personality – because when I, I came back and became a coach on a staff, when I was getting my back to get my degree, um, I, I, I really didn't know he played guitar. I didn't know he, he had all the things that he did away from the field. He, he, he was a, a different guy than he, he was very stoic and very, uh, he had a real demeanor. I mean, he, you knew he who was, was in charge. T- he was very Tom Landry-esque. Oh, yeah, as, very as a, much as you knew who was in charge. Yeah. He, he, he was, you know, but... Once I got on the other side of that a little bit and away from not being, he's not my coach. He's still coach to me, but he's not my coach. And just learning him as a person and uh, how good a family guy he was and, and how much, you know, he, he had a great sense of humor that none of us ever saw. I mean, you just didn't see it from me because his sense of humor, he, 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 was, he was work. It, it, when he got to the ballpark, he went to work.
and it, it was very matter-of-fact, this is what we're going to do, and we're going to win. Yeah, he didn't like many of those dignified losses, did he? No. <laughs> no. How, and he didn't do it very often. No. How would you describe his style, Keith, his coach's style, the style his team's played with? Because Coach Gus hadn't coached a game since 96, so there's a, pretty much a generation of Texas baseball fans that, that never watched one of his teams play. You know, it, everybody said it was Gus Ball, but it, it, there wasn't a ton of bunning. There was bunning, uh, but he was very much in the prospect of this. We're going to catch it. We're not going to give anybody anything. We're not going to. We're going to throw strike one, and when we're hitting, we're going to force them to throw strikes. Those were his style. That was it. It, it very much. Uh, our guys would come out and attack, and boy, he did not like ball one. It didn't matter what pitch you use. It's not mm-hmm. necessarily first pitch fastball. It was strike one. I mean, we've got to find a way to get strike one because he said the hitters become defensive, and then on the other side. Uh, there were a lot of hitters that looked down, and he gave some take signs. He was, very, of course, there were some of us just didn't ever turn our back. <laughs> so we never, we never turned and looked. And so, I, you know, you know, there were times he'd be frustrated with me. He says, "You got to turn and look at me." I said, "Coach, uh, I, I, sorry, I just got in the box, was getting ready to hit, you know." And then if you get a base hit, it's, it's okay. <laughs> Did, uh, true, it's okay. True or false? Uh, Kirk Bowles in his piece this morning, a, a nice, nice tribute to him, said. That Frank Medina, the iconic Texas trainer, was frustrated with you yeah. not running enough and complained to Coach Gus about it. And he said, Frank, I can always get another trainer. I can't always get an All-American third baseman. Yeah, I'm not proud about all, all that, that scenario. <laughs> but I had just gotten through with the Cotton Bowl plane in the Cotton Bowl. So I, I didn't really understand when I was out running circles with weight vest and weight, ankle weights on. After just getting just getting Tony back Davis from the, the Nebraska yeah, running back and, and I'm, rolling I'm sitting, ball I'm, of I'm going, you know, I, I'm I'm just not sure that uh, uh, that what what am I doing here? I mean, <laughs> in, in that scenario, I was, you got to be in pretty good shape to play football. There's how much different shape is football and baseball? I I, I mean, I'm shape is shape. You yeah. know, if you're in shape, you're in shape. I, so I was a little frustrated, and I probably I probably forced uh, Coach Gus's hand. I, that, that's not something. It's a funny story. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people say, "Well, we uh, uh, the baseball team never got to see Frank Medina again," and they didn't. Uh, and that's my my fault. But that was that's not something that you know. You, I wouldn't put that. I wouldn't put it in a book if I was writing a book. Put there it you that go. Way. All right, uh, Keith Moreland with us here. Uh, let's let me uh, for for folks who didn't know, you were never a scholarship baseball athlete. Never. To be an All-American, Keith Morton was never a scholarship baseball athlete. He was a scholarship football athlete, recruited by Daryl Royal when you were quarterback at R.L. Turner. Uh, and and that, But the opportunity to play baseball was a major reason why you picked Texas over Arkansas, correct? Oh, no, no question. I mean, uh, Bill Montgomery played quarterback at my high school. I was the guy that followed behind him when he left to go to Arkansas. Uh, Coach Sproles was – I'd seen Coach Sproles a lot through my recruiting process and everything else. But Arkansas, quite frankly, guys, didn't play baseball at the time. They did not have a baseball program. And I took Coach Sproles, I mean, right at the beginning, he said, you're not going to come on a recruiting trip? And I said, no. I said, I'm not. I'm only going on recruiting trips at the people that play – uh, I can play both sports. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, there's not very few places. And nobody's going to let you play both sports, especially at a place like Texas. Okay, well – Coach Brawls, uh, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and what was that conversation like with Coach Royal when you told him that you wanted to play baseball? Uh, it, it, he said, well, I, let me talk to Coach Gufson, our baseball coach. And I said, oh, yes, sir, I, I, I absolutely know who he is. And he said, uh, uh, my recruiting uh, representative from the team was Alan Lowry, who played two sports here, too. And, and uh, 
he was from Irving. I was from Carrollton. And so uh, we went over to, to, to Clark Field. I met Coach Gus over there. And, and he, he said, quite frankly, he says, I, I really don't know much about you. Um, so okay, I said, okay. So that summer, I hadn't heard much anymore. I do commit and sign with Texas. And then that summer, I went to uh, – Summer of 71. Yeah, I went to the uh, Connie Mac World Series in Farmington, New Mexico, and coached uh, his good friend – from Oklahoma, head coach was a good friend of Coach Gus's. Was there, and he comes over to me and he says, "Man, I, who you sign with to play baseball?" And I said, "I'm going to Texas." And, and I said, the, "The head baseball coach of Texas doesn't know much about me." He says, "He didn't know who I was." And and uh, when I got here, he had called Coach Gus because they were really good friends. He says, "You got a good one coming." And that's when Coach Gus finally realized, "Hey, maybe this guy can help me and play." And and then I, Coach Rawls rules were you had to come back for spring football if you were not an integral part of helping the University of Texas win ball games. Mm-hmm. And I started every game. So, <laughs> so that took you out of uh, spring yeah. ball there. Uh, I'm trying to remember uh, the Oklahoma baseball, Enos Slaughter. No, 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 he, no was, Enos. he was the, the uh, I know. I, I can't think of his name right now either. Yeah, yeah. Coach Chandler was at A&M. He, he had said yeah. something to me and golly. I, It'll come to us it, anyway. Yeah. Um, all right. So how did you make that work? Because in this day and age, it may be, to use our term uh, on the show, inconceivable for a lot of folks to think about a guy being able to be a two-sport athlete now with the way college athletics are structured. I, I, it's, it's harder now. Yeah. No, no question, harder now. Uh, it, 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 because football is, is, no matter what everybody thinks, the spring, oh, they're, they're, it's an, an off spring. Man, the conditioning, the weight training, the things that they go through, and then the 15 practices that they go through, and then what happens in the summer because nobody leaves in the summer. Football's a year-round proposition. Baseball is, is getting closer to that because these kids now play. If you're fortunate enough to get to Omaha, you're playing in late June. If you're not in Omaha, you're playing already somewhere in summer ball leading up all the way to start of, of the fall. And Coach Pierce now d- is doing one of the things. He's giving those, some of those guys off, and he has, starts his fall later now where they're into November to give some guys some time off, especially your arm and, and, and baseball. So each one of them now are becoming a full-time operator, and it's going to get tougher and tougher to see players play two sports at the, at the Division One college level. Yeah, I mean, I, I've talked to guys over the year. Caleb Blewett was a guy that thought about doing it. Carrington Biden was another guy that thought oh, yeah. about doing it. And they just looked at it and said, but the logistics of spring ball, they said, there's just no way. It's, it's, it's the, time, the time it would take to be productive on the diamond, you'd be taking so much away from football that it just – And, 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 and quite frankly, the same thing on the other side. I mean, if you're trying to improve and, and, and understand, there's a huge jump from playing college sports from high school sports, even bigger one to, in a – for, to the NFL or Major League Baseball. But because of that jump, if you're not at the same level with the guys you're competing with and doing the same things they're doing all the time, if you're mm-hmm. away from it for this long, it's hard to get back to that level. Yep. Uh, so I, I, I'm not sure that you're going to have guys that are, that are uh, you know, the Deion Sanders who could, could, could do it at, at an unbelievable level at both sides of the Bo Jacksons. That's, that's just phenomenal. They were phenomenal athletes to start with, but – I think we are getting further and further away from somebody being able to play and compete in two sports. I was uh, amazed by it the first time I heard you tell this about what a day was like, a practice day was like 
under Coach Gus. Get done with class. You go to the ball field. Tell everybody what that what well, that day was like. Uh, let's start with the fact the NCAA had no limit, time limit rules. Exactly. Uh, so no 20-hour limit deal. So let's start at Old Clark Field. In Clo- Old Clark Field didn't have lights. So let's start with that. So uh, no classes. You, you could not have a class that ended after 1230. Tuesday, Thursday classes sometimes that time ended it, it, in the half hour instead of on the top of the hour. Uh, so no class ended after 12.30. Practice started at 1.15, and it was over when we couldn't see every day. And it started with a full nine-inning game, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, most days, most days, if he wanted to work on, uh, he, he was very structured. Uh, and if today we're working on bunt defenses, we might have 30 to 40 full minutes of full active guy pitching bunt defense, live bunt defense still where you're – you're running – all the runners would put their head down where you could run the, the pivot play first and second and do things where the runners didn't know what was coming defensively and then get after it. It wasn't like you lobbed it in there and somebody rolled the bunt and said, hey, this is how you rotate. It was live uh, – as live as it could be uh, as a game-time situation. And then every single day we would play a full nine-inning game. Sometimes they would go further than that. So when you came – off of a spring playing for Coach Gus and went out in professional ball, you were very much used to playing everyday baseball. And I think that's why so many guys had such great success because I think some of them were used to playing two or three days a week or on the weekend playing because uh, there was no lights. You played a single game Friday and no Sunday games. So single game Friday, double hitter Saturday. I really believe guys uh, that came out of Texas were really prepared for pro ball that you played every single day because that's what we did. Okay, every single day you competed to to try to win a job. And then when the, when the when that was over, when the game was over, you had practice afterwards, right? Yeah, we'd take BP afterward. A lot of yeah. times, it, it, there were there were times that, that that's he would always get the game in first, and then batting practice was the last thought of the day. Well, we'll do this until it gets so dark. We can't be out here. Okay. And then after games, uh, Ty Harrington told this story this morning about how after every game, he'd walk in and take the scorebook and put it on top of the hamper yeah, and then just go back through the oh, yeah. entire game. They did the same yeah, thing? It, 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 trust me. And then when we came back and I started doing radio, I, you'd be sitting out waiting for that post-game interview. <laughs> that, that was 30 minutes of, of, of us trying to uh, spend enough time because he was going to – he was going to go in and talk to the team first before he did anything else. And, and it, it could be – I never saw one less than 15, ever. I mean, it was going to be a good 15 minutes, and then sometimes it might be 30 minutes. And then guys would come back out and get their stuff. I mean, you, you didn't take your stuff in. You, it, it was wow. – meetings over, shake their opponent's hand, and go get inside, and we're going we're gonna to go over this game. Very detail-oriented. That, again, that was his style. We are going – to beat you, and we are not going to beat ourselves. We're going to allow you to beat yourself if we can. We got better athletes, but we're, and we're going to be disciplined. And those are two things that, that jump off the page when you think of Coach Gus. Keith Moreland is with us right now. When we come back, I'm going to get to uh, some of the other personal side on that. And, and I want to ask you about a couple other things. Certainly get your thoughts on the uh, DeMar Hamlin in case there's been nothing oh. Updated on him yet, still listed in critical condition after suffering cardiac arrest last night. But uh, there's something else I want to get to uh, that kind of is connected to that and get your thoughts on that as well. This is Light the Tower on the Horn, 1049 1019, AM 1260, live, local, and digital on the Horn app and Horn FM.